Christmas is about gratitude and togetherness. That dates all the way back to the first Christmas when Melchior was voted year's sexiest magi. It's the Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast on WPH Live TV, iTunes, and TuneIn Radio. Breaking news from SRN News. I'm Val Dior. The sentencing of former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn has been delayed for 90 days. White House correspondent Greg Cluxton reports. In an unexpected development, attorneys for Flynn requested a postponement in the sentencing hearing to allow him to continue cooperating with the special counsel's Russia investigation. The federal judge agreed to a 90-day delay after rebuking Flynn for his crime of lying to the FBI. He said he couldn't hide his disgust. And at one point, Judge Emmett Sullivan told Flynn, arguably, you sold your country out. Greg Clugston, the White House. The postponement came after a brief recess. March 13th is the date set now. A White House briefing uh, will get underway here any minute now. Also at SRNnews.com by an overwhelming bipartisan margin, the Senate has voted to advance a criminal justice reform bill to the full Senate. Iowa's Chuck Grassley calling it the most significant criminal justice reform bill in a generation. The measure calls for changes to sentencing and mandatory minimum laws. It has the support of the White House, but has run into problems with some conservatives who claim that early release guidelines will put dangerous criminals back on the streets. Capitol Hill correspondent Wally Hines reporting a vote by the full Senate could come as early as Wednesday. A neuro and grocery chain Kroger teaming up to bring unmanned delivery service to customers. The company say neuro's unmanned vehicle, the R1, will be added to a fleet of autonomous Prius vehicles that have run self-driving grocery delivery service in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, it's been going on since August. The R1 can travel on public roads, has no driver or passengers. It can only transport groceries. On Wall Street, everything in the green today. The Dow up 182, NASDAQ up 42, S&P up 6. For more details, srnnews.com. Churchill said 85% of the world's work is done by people who don't feel well. (laughs) Okay, so what explains this? Great joke. The Dave and Dave Sports Radio Cast is live and on the air now. You're listening to the Dave and Dave Sports Radio Cast on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and now Patreon, episode number 18. My name is Dave, and there is the other Dave. Last name's not required here. We don't have to do it. I don't think so. I'm not going to do it. Today, Dave, we're going to recap the Tucson Memorial and look forward to race stop number three, December 28th, where the USHA's National Juniors will be alongside the Race for Eight Pros at the Multnomah Athletic Club and then captured on ESPN. We're going to chat about junior rising stars in the sport of handball to include the recent event down the street here in Arizona at the ASU campus. The big elephant in the room, though, besides a Trump indictment, is Patreon. (laughs) Can't wait to talk about Patreon. I said the Trump indictment is... (laughs) Well, Trump might have to step down here um, when they threaten to put his kids in jail. But then again, he could always just pardon them. Yeah, he can do that. So... But Maybe we'll, not. We're going to talk about Patreon, hopefully not a lot about Trump. We will also explain more about what Patreon does and what you can get as a member of Patreon and why we're doing it. Plus, Dave, you're going to bring up birthdays. Let me think what else you have to do here, because it's required, by right. the way. You don't get a paycheck unless no. you actually do exactly what's on the list. I think you're going to you're going to mention some things about we're going to talk about some of the rising stars on the race yeah, for that's, eight. That, that's Not necessarily the, yeah, that's the right. next gen, but we've also got some guys in their late 20s, early 30s that are now just starting to emerge. 
climb into that top 10. Yeah, that's right. Some real threats. And I was noticing with that tournament over the weekend in Ireland, there's, you know, Sean Kerr mm-hmm. doing well. He's going to be a top pro, I believe, if he can make his way over here. But we'll get to all of that. Uh, we don't have guests today unless you consider our split personalities one of the one of the guests, which so I do, by the way. Six. I actually do do that. But six I know guests and two hosts. <laughs> That's about our average. The headlines, though, NBA News, New York Knicks owner James Dolan says that he doesn't want to sell the New York Knicks, but won't rule it out either. Reports that the Knicks franchise worth, Dave, about $5 billion. Wow. I almost went million on that. but Yeah, no. It seems from a spectator standpoint that it's $5 million, but $5 billion. Well, that includes the arena too, right? Yeah, everything. The whole name. The Okay. Just down the street in the Bronx. Do you remember back in September when CC Sabathia of the Darling Yankees plunked the Devil Rays Jesus uh, Sucre? Got ejected, right? Yeah, cost him, yeah. It should have cost him 500000 Yeah, well, CC was rolling in that game. I mean, yeah. he had a great thing going on. Mm-hmm. It was in, the, I believe, the bottom of the sixth, and they were up 11-0 to at the time. Mm-hmm. And it really did look like he was going to go at least eight because he right. was he was doing well. I think he only had to make it through the seventh. Right. I think just there. one more inning. Right. Well, CC purposely hit the Rays' backstop because Romine, CC's catcher at the time, got plunked in the top half of the inning, and and by being ejected there in the bottom of the sixth, he lost out on five hundred thousand dollar bonus. But you know these umpires are following all these bonuses. They love to make themselves the center of the show That's in baseball. True. So they know, and he he was waiting for the opportunity to. I think to a baseball CC out of the game. You know, once they they put out that warning, they had to do it. I mean, that's mm. just kind of how I looked at it. But then CC gets the bonus anyway, right? Yeah. So yesterday they they gave him the five hundred thousand. Right. I mean, that's that's dedication to your star. They also signed, I believe, to another one year deal. He said it's is he be, their star? In the community, he is. Oh. They okay. signed him to a one year eight million dollar deal, which is. Mm. Uh, that's a big pay cut for him. He's used to making what about forty a year, <laughs> like eighteen or more. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. Um, maybe Sabathia could lend a few bucks to Air Canada, as I make the craziest best segue of segue. my entire life. Yeah. The financially strapped airline tells a passenger last week that it wouldn't reimburse he or his family for toiletries and other necessities after they lost their luggage during a family vacation. Air Canada has become so cash strapped that they're now charging for emotional baggage. That's how, bad, <laughs> that's how bad it's become. And that traveling season is now here. It's uh, it's holiday, which means there's going to be a lot of travelers on the road. Many businesses are closing shop for the remainder of the, the year, these last few days. And others are ramping up as they have products that they're selling and trying to get stuff done for the, for the very end as they close the books. Normally, not, Dave, you travel up to the mountains this time yeah, of year. Yeah, I'm not going to do it this time. No, you'll be up in no. the... Pacific Northwest. Yeah, right. With you, I hope. Are you going? I think I will. <laughs> Do you play pro handball? <laughs> I know that's one of the best. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Questions of all time. Anyway, of these last-minute shoppers that are out on the roads, on the streets, at the parking lots, the malls, mm-hmm. it, it is busy. And you could also see it's finals week here in Tucson, Arizona for the students, so they're also out there driving around. The roads right. are congested. Make sure to stay safe, be mm-hmm. calm, don't get too frustrated. The, the key word is patience hmm. as we head toward the holidays. And, and speaking of those, uh, a just-published survey says that one in three people have done something regretful at a company holiday party. I would think it'd be more. Actually, I, I agree with you. Well, but we canceled ours because of that. <laughs> because of We what? had a four out of five regretfuls at our most recent holiday parties. We just 
got rid of them. We had a one out of five that actually said that they would go to the party. <laughs> and there's only five employees. Right. So that's not good. That means another drive-thru at McDonald's. <laughs> I don't know about that regretful thing, but um, they say one in three people regret doing something at a holiday Christmas party. The other two were just too busy to fill out the survey because they're photocopying their ass on the copy <laughs> machine. <laughs> we had to put that photocopier a little higher because yeah. uh, to detract people from climbing up there and doing that sort of thing. In handball news, we talked about a little bit earlier, Martin Mulkerns just uh, did win that big tournament in uh, Ireland what was it? This over this last weekend, right? That was at his home court. He started playing handball on that court. They just built another court to host that tournament, so they're very excited about that. Martin, now the number one player in Ireland. He won the All-Ireland Championships last spring, took second in the Golden Gloves where he lost to Dermot Nash, and then wins the Moy Colon. I know I'm saying that wrong. No, I think it sounds right. The Moy Colon. It might sound right to us, but I think I'm going to get some emails It was a second... That. What, all one one email? Let's see what you're actually going to get. Actually, zero. It's the second ranked tournament of the year for right. Ireland. Right. First one being the Golden Gloves. So Nash and Malkerns have now been in the finals of both. Right. And they were tied at number one, but this yes. breaks the tie because Martin Malkerns got past Dermot Nash in a tiebreaker 11-9. to nine. So we're seeing a big shakeup in those Irish rankings now. For so long, it seemed like it was Shanks at number one. And I think they've revamped the rankings to removed two years ago events and now you've got the most recent events Malkerns now number one very exciting to see he came and played in his first race stop in a couple of years in Atlanta took ninth ran into Sean Lenning who we're going to talk about later in this show in that first round and it didn't do well but he did look good for the remainder of that tournament he obviously looks good in Ireland and he looked good at the world championships too and I actually thought at this time with Paul Brady stepping back and with Killian Carroll in the states not traveling over there to play in those tournaments mm -hmm. I thought that uh Robbie McCarthy was going to be the one to step up, but he's sort of kind of slipped back. I think he's at number three or number, number four. Number six. Okay. He didn't play in the Golden Gloves, I don't believe, and he had, a, for him, a poor event in that All-Ireland Championships, losing in the quarterfinals. That was one of the biggest upsets in the history of Irish handball, from what I've been told, losing to Brendan Fleming there. So McCarthy, I, I, don't, I don't know if he's been playing as much. I know he had some injuries, but, you know, he's always so dangerous, but... I'll tell you, McCarthy seemed dejected to me after losing at the World Championships. He put everything into that match, into that tournament. And for the first hour of that match with Killian, looked like the best player that's ever lived and then just could not sustain it, as so many have found against Killian that second hour to maintain that level. Very difficult. Fred Lewis, in fact, a Hall of Famer, said to me, you know, when you put everything you've got into a match like that and you lose, the first thing that comes to your mind is, I don't think I'm ever going to play again. And that's what McCarthy said to me, but good to see him back playing. I'm sure he'll get back right where he was as one of the top players in the sport. I mean, we know he is. He looked great at the Worlds. And oh, yeah. I was not happy to hear him say that he was going to maybe, you know, hang him up but come back and play some doubles. I think it's too early when you just lose to say things like right. that. But I think the sport needs Robbie. Well, you saw him in the doubles. I mean, he and Nash, probably the best doubles team we've ever seen. I, Definitely amazing. most dominant when you look at the scores. Yeah. Blew out every team they played. And that's hard to do in doubles. It is. No, it is. Hey, it. we're over. Yeah. We're over. Oh, we're over already. We have to take a break. Okay. All right. We'll be back in just a bit. Okay. This is episode number 18 of the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast here on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and now Patreon. We'll be back in just a bit. Stick with us. Patreon exists because when creators are paid, they can create more amazing things. Things that inspire us, teach us, 
challenge us, things that make us laugh. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it really easy for creators to get paid. We're using the idea of patronage, which is actually a really old idea. Exactly, Jack. If it weren't for patrons, we wouldn't have Romeo and Juliet or Mona Lisa, Mozart, Shakespeare, Da Vinci. They all had patrons, mostly aristocrats who paid them to create so they could enjoy their works and brag to their friends about how cool they are for supporting creators. Yeah, so it's kind of like that, but better. Creators of every kind, podcasters, YouTubers, musicians, writers, allow their fans to become patrons or members. Patrons set a monthly subscription style payment for the level of membership they want. Like for five bucks a month, you get early access to content. 10 bucks a month, extra videos. 20 bucks a month, behind the scenes stuff. You name it. This provides creators with a sustainable income while retaining full creative control. And it allows fans to connect with them on a whole new level. We have the flexibility to create without having to necessarily worry about how that's gonna impact us financially. And that level of freedom is, I can't tell you how important that level of freedom is. Thousands of creators and creative teams are using Patreon to run their business their way. They're doing what they love and they're being paid to do it by the people who love their work most. So if you're a professional creator, start a page and give your fans the opportunity to become patrons. It could help you do the best work of your life. The Dave and Dave Sports Radiocast gives you unique player interviews, select birthdays, news, and more as they highlight upcoming events. Get more at WPHlive.tv. Dave and Dave Sports Radiocast, episode number 18. Tucson, Arizona studios where... We have a great rest of the month planned, and I know you're thinking to yourself, self, because you refer to yourself as self. Of course. You say self, there's only about 10 days left in the month. Mm -hmm. And normally this would be kind of an off time for the WPH as we gear up for that first half of the next year's events, but we've got an event here in between Christmas and New Year's for the first time. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I actually can't wait for it because I love the great Pacific Northwest. Grew up there, in fact, and so I get to go home and... Hopefully stay away from the people I know. <laughs> More so than I already do now in mm. Tucson. And you, as you know, that's at record numbers Wow! right yes. now, at least for the year. Hey, Dave, let's talk about, uh, we'll get to that Portland event mm-hmm. here in just a bit, but talk about Race for Eight, stop number two of season number eight here in Tucson, Arizona, which was just about a month ago. Well, before we get into the great play and the winners there in Tucson, let's talk about that event. What an event that was. It was I amazing. Mean, incredible. There was just a great vibe there all weekend. We put together such an amazing team. I mean, from the the broadcast team to all the volunteers and the, you know, the food and the hospitality and the players. I mean, you had people coming from all over, so many junior players, a lot of adult amateur players that I've never seen before at a, at a race stop and I know they all had a great time Don Curry and Fred Lewis hosting that really cool banquet uh, on Saturday night and just really a great event I think everybody left there thinking I can't wait until this event next year yeah I had a lot of cool compliments normally don't get those you know it is handball and all mm-hmm. uh, don't get those those compliments uh, very often, but we did get a lot of them from the tournament, and I thought it was really because everybody stayed in their lane and did mm-hmm. their their jobs. You know, right. looking at it from an admin standpoint, those involved in the tournament desk did what they supposed to do, and the, right. the check in desk did what they did, and the merchandise did their thing. The photographers, the video, you know, it was, right. and the fans they reacted to some great handball, and it was really fun. There was a lot of competition. Finding you know a Killian Carroll loss, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but it's happened twice already to start off the season. So that alone just kind of creates a little bit of drama. Yeah, Killian Carroll maybe 
not as sharp as we saw him last year and in the world championships i think for him kind of like what we talked about with robbie mccarthy gonna take a little bit of time to get back to that level where we, he was but how can you win six out of seven events every year but i i think based on what we've seen since killian losing in tucson he's pretty close to being back he won that exhibition of champions in chicago defeated vic perez there in the final also john iglesias and just won that Milwaukee Classic where he took out Luis Cordova, who I think might be the best player on the tour right now if you look at his result to win and a very close semifinal loss. But Sean Lenning has now caught Killing Carroll at number one with that great win at the Race for 8 8 Tucson. Sean Lenning in the final, Dave. I mean, we've been watching Sean for decades. I don't know if I've ever seen him look that good. I mean, he didn't hit one bad shot in that entire match. Killing never had a chance. It was. I don't even know how to say it anymore because you come to expect it. It's like watching Michael Jordan play uh, when he had the flu against the Celtics and he drops 61 or 51, whatever the score was there in the playoffs. Yeah. But it's like that where he just you come to expect it. And when it doesn't happen, you say, oh, he's he's not as good as everyone. So it's like, my gosh. This, and, and I've been ultra critical on Sean mm-hmm. because he does make some crazy shots and it seems like he's not interested. But that's sort of like the, the youth of today kind of acts right. that way this guy's amazing i mean you have to put your your hat take it off put it onto the desk step back and just really think about what this guy is able to do in the sport of handball he's he's kind of revolutionized the game in a, in a sort of different way and i think there's a lot of young players that have aspired to be like a sean lenny i mean he is absolutely amazing the stuff that he's able to do nobody can do that Right, that's why I think it's dangerous for these young players to try and copy what he's doing because he's the freak. I don't think it can be taught. I think he's got a special set of skills that he developed over 30 years of playing pretty much every day. But Sean Lenning really faced a tough test in that semifinal match against Luis Cordova. You remember at primetime on Saturday night, Sean comes back from 14-10 to 10 in that first game. Probably should have lost the first game there, but he scored six quick points. Wins the first game, loses the second game badly. Looked like, well, Luis Cordova's kind of taking over here. But as we've seen so many times in these tiebreakers, Sean gets off to a good start and he's in control. Luis catches up 11-13. to 13. We saw a couple of calls there that did go in Sean's favor. And Sean pulls that one out 15-11. And then he just cruises on Sunday morning in the final. Killian never had a chance. Started with the Sean Lenning serve, which was almost unreturnable. And when Killian did return it, Sean was waiting to pounce. Yeah, it looked like two different levels of players there for a short time. Killian had his nice runs, and then you thought to yourself, oh, it's going to happen again, but it just never happened. Uh, Killian losing that one 10-15 to 15 and then 7-15. to 15. Right. And it was a pretty dominating performance from Sean from start to finish. I, I know there were, you know, that the tiebreaker, but you kind of expect that right now with one of the hottest players in the game in Luis Cordova. Moving on past the Tucson Memorial. But also Katrina Casey wins oh, yeah, her 16th yeah. Yeah, women's race for eight stop in 18 women's race events. She's only lost two tournaments. She's the only player to have played in every women's race stop since the inauguration of the tour in 2013. She's the most dominant player in race freight history. Exciting to see Sianna Nee Curry come back and play so well. She was out for a year and a half. World Championship, she makes the semifinals. There she is in the finals of Tucson where she looked really good. She could have won that second game. I thought she was. She made a couple of errors. I think that comes down to just a lack of experience in these big matches in the last couple of years where she's been sidelined with that knee surgery. She gets that confidence back and that groove. I think you'll see her competing against Katrina or Martina, Ashling, whoever it is. 
I she's think right she there. Was, she was about two hand airs away from winning that match. Right. And I believe that the, the old monkey that was on Katrina's back was is still hanging around. Mm, and yeah. she she got through it. Right. Because of those hand airs? Yeah. Sienna helped her get through it. Right. If, if Sienna was just a little bit more tough in those intricate times, yeah. then we'd have a different headline. Let's talk about the 40s, though, at the Tucson Memorial, where, Dave, you were just a point or two away. I have to go back and look at the scores here, but I believe you lost in a tiebreaker to Killian Carroll 15-10, to 10, but there was a time there where you could have been serving at uh, you know, 11-10. to 10. Call went the opposite direction. He went up and scored a couple points, but you were really just a couple points away from being in the finals of the 40s and of the race rate elite guys are you still stewing just a little bit because of that uh that match no i'm happy with how i played in that match against killian the first game i was up nine four and felt really good and i made one air and he ran off 11 straight points in one inning and i think that was the moment in the match where maybe i could have got out in front if i could have sustained that momentum maybe not missed that shot been able to take killian out of the box there i did come back and win the second game but I was happy with how I played, and uh, I always look forward to playing Killian. He brings out the best, I think, in me and probably just about everyone he plays because he's so good. Well, he forces you to have to make make shots. I right. Mean, but he also forces you to take ones that you don't supposed to make. But the thing is, you know, we always talk about that, a guy that forces you to make a, a shot that, uh, you know, like going for a two-inch high kill shot instead of maybe your four-, or five-, six-incher, right? Uh, but on the positive side of that, if you start converting those – a guy like that, that's how you rise your game up because mm-hmm. you're playing a guy like that and right. you're able to start making those shots, those elite shots. It just drives your confidence up as well. So the opposite of uh, the normal excuse uh, seems to work as well when you play a guy like Killian Carroll. But you had a great tournament. I mean, you you won the 40s, dominating performance against Marco Chavez. I, I would say it's sort of like a, you know, it's in your face now because you kind of threw it in my face the last time you guys played. 15 to 2, 15 to 11. That's pretty pretty darn good win it was nice to see tyler hamill go up against senior canalis there in the the 40 uh, what was a third place final yeah it there. seems like every year in the 40s we're welcoming these new faces we've had chris watkins dan zimmett joe harris george garcia now leo canalis senior and tyler hamill these kevin, guys are all kind kevin of price kevin price i mean so many good players and they're all kind of vying in this semifinals, you know quarterfinals very close matches. It's nice to see these guys coming out, and I know that they're inspired having a chance to play against one another and also, you know, to be in this ESPN spotlight. So it's great for these 40-something guys, even 50-something guys who are still very competitive. We'd love to see Danny Bell come out on the tour. He just had that great win in Albany, taking out three guys that were more than half his age, including Billy O'Donnell, who was yeah. once a top 12 pro. Yeah. Beats also Tyree Bastidas, a former top 12 pro. I mean, that's an amazing performance, but, you know, it shows that even at 40-something, 50-something, these great champions are still capable of beating just about anybody. And the odd thing is it's such a demanding game that you would think that the opposite of that would be true. But, you know, as you get older, you start uh, learning a little bit more of the code of how to to win. And if you just stick to that code, it seems to work well, and it obviously did for Danny. But getting back to Tyler... It's so cool because, you know, he's been somebody who's been so great, but you watch him and you think, is he really enjoying this? Does he really, does this mean anything to him? Because he's so stoic. But yet to see that fire, and he told me, I just missed the competition. And now he's going to be in Portland. Yeah. So he's he's at the very next event. He didn't even play in the race for eight in Tucson. I think he wanted to test out and see how he would feel. I think he felt pretty good. Yeah. And he loved it. He, you know, you get that surge of adrenaline playing in these tournaments. And 
you miss that if you're not playing in them. I agree, and I, I'm, you know, hats off to Dan to uh, Tyler as well, and you know, making that trip to Portland—that's a big deal. That's a big jump as well. Right. He's going to play some tough competition there. I'm looking forward to whoever he matches up against yeah. because, you know, the Tyler Hamill that we knew from a couple of years ago is a threat. He's a top eight guy this right. at this time. Yeah, I would believe at the race for eight. So, and maybe he could, is one of those that's inspired by a Danny Bell mm-hmm. win. I, I know I am, and I know Tyler was. I talked to him that night after Danny won. That he was very impressed and proud of Danny and I'm sure thinking to himself I can probably still do this too yeah. Tyler's 10 years younger than Danny well we're going to see him in Portland hopefully right. have him on a live broadcast as well oh, uh, either in the booth and on TV right. with ESPN as we're in uh, Portland Oregon coming up here uh, just like a week it feels like December 28th 9th and then 30th right. will be for us but the USHA National Juniors going to kick off on the 26th of December right. go through the 30th of December. We're going to wrap up segment number 2 here Dave. We have number 3 coming up. You okay with that? I'm looking forward to number 3. That's I've got that highlighted. This is going to be you're going to be in heaven. I can't wait. Oh, look at you. Big huge smile. Do we have to take a break? <laughs> yeah, we do. Oh, okay. it, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. It hurts. Okay, we'll be back in just a bit. Episode 18 will continue here on Patreon, as well as iTunes and TuneIn Radio. It's a Dave and Dave Sports Handball Radio podcast that we bring you once every year. (laughs) We'll be back in just a bit. The World Players of Handball is a 501c3 nonprofit foundation whose goal is to grow the sport through innovation. WPH Live TV has partnered with ESPN for the current professional handball tour and has aired more than 100 matches over the past three years on ESPN networks. Junior WPH is the youth and young adult development wing of the foundation that performs over 2,000 individual and group clinics per year around the globe. WPH Outdoor runs the Outdoor Professional Handball Tour and has organized high-profile major events since the inaugural 2010 season. To get plugged into all the news, information, and updates, or to give a tax-deductible gift or donation, go to www.wphlive.tv or email info at wphlive.tv. Get connected with Facebook, Twitter, Google+, TuneIn Radio, and now iTunes. Hello. Had radio shows on. Really exciting. Do we make mistakes, all of us? Absolutely. We talk sports. Come on, you can do it. Thank you for listening to Dave and Dave. On TuneIn Radio with WPH Live TV. And we are back here for episode number 18 as it continues. Segment number three, Dave and Dave on the... What is it? What is the name of our show again? The Cheap Seats? Is that what we used to call it? We have a lot of names. Gosh, we haven't done a radio show in so long. The radio, the, the Handball Sports Radio Cast. Hmm. Man, it's hard to remember that. I have to write that, that stuff down. Good segment today as we talk about Portland, Oregon coming up December 28th, 9th, and 30th in, in Portland at the Multnomah Athletic Club. We, we hit on it just a little bit, but there's so much more to come. Oh, yeah, there is, right? But we got to wait. We've got Why? segment three. Okay, let's get into segment number three. We'll get to the Portland event, I guess. Just a few seconds. Leo Canales Sr. Oh, that's segment four. Right. Okay, we're, we're talking about the, the juniors now, right? We're talking about the rising stars. They could be juniors, but not necessarily. Now oh, okay, okay, I get you. Now, I know that you follow the next generation very closely. That's 26 and under. These guys, some are part of the next generation. Some are a little bit older. Shorty Ruiz, who's number one on my list, 
up to number 10 now, his highest career race for eight ranking. This is a guy, Dave, who's been chipping away at the rankings for eight years. You remember him breaking through in Houston and then Alaska, 2013. Now here he is on the cusp of the Elite Eight. Last year, losing to Marco Chavez, having match point and losing. Also losing to Mondo Ortiz with match point. Then he did go on to beat Vic Perez and just recently took ninth in Tucson. That was his second best finish. And he's playing good handball. I know that you've been on the court with him a couple times here when you attempted to come back. Yeah, no, he's great. I, I, I'm surprised he doesn't have a higher ranking, to be honest. I mean, he has everything. It just doesn't seem to pull it out the right moments. But Max, he's good. Yeah. Max Langmack, six foot nine. Yeah, take he the world. down on you. Take Literally, actually. He, <laughs> forget about the height. He does look down on me. Max ranked 14th. And it looked like he was on his way to just continue to climb, but Tyler Stoffel shut that down in Tucson yeah. very quickly. Right. I mean, Tyler Stoffel just sort of took the general giant apart there. Tyler Stoffel on my list, coming back from shoulder surgery a year ago, making his first race for eight start, looked really good against Max Langmack in that qualifier final, but then kind of sputtered out, scoring just one point against Emma Pichot in that second game and then losing badly to Shorty Ruiz in the semifinals of the ninth place playoff, but still a very good result for Tyler a year away from tournament competition, defeats the 14th ranked pro and takes 11th. So he's got a lot of upside, of course. Leo Canales Jr., the collegiate national champion current. I really like what he's doing with his game. Yeah. Very solid player. Fit. Hits the ball hard. Very nice right hand. I played him in Tucson. And I played him a couple years ago. I, I noticed the improvement. Still maybe could play a little bit more aggressively. That might be the only thing that holds him back. But I see him climbing, you know, steadily up the race freight rankings. But he, he reminds me of a Anthony Celesto. Hmm. He's a he's a get artist. Right. He has at times a really amazing left hand, but then it'll fail him a few times as well. No, he's a solid player. Sam Esser. Yeah. I sparring mean, partner and junior teammate of Max Langmack. Those two are very good friends. He lost to Danos 15-13, 15-13 in Atlanta. That was his first time qualifying. Almost takes out Danos, who's been in two of the last four finals, including that final. Gave Danos, I think, his hardest match up until the final. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, he really breakthrough of that tournament. And in fact, with all the people saying negative stuff about handball players and the youth of the game, mm -hmm. you go to Atlanta and you watch the success of Lane Mack as well as, uh, as Esser, and you go, well, this game's actually in pretty good hands. You know, I had never seen Sam play before because I think his only event on the race for eight was Houston last year. I didn't get a chance to watch him. And I asked a couple of the pros while I was putting together this next-gen piece. The, the guy's very solid. Two great hands. Yeah. Hits the ball hard. Great offense. And you're hearing that from top eight pros like Emmett Pichot telling me that. That means something. I mean, this guy's for real. After watching him, who do you think that he plays like? I kind of saw a little Bill Mihilos there, mm. a little bit, maybe a not as much lackadaisical Dane Zatkowski, but I would, I would say Dane with those two good hands, ability to just he's loose, right? He can kill the ball. Yeah, I would, I think Dane is pretty good. Now Lauren Collado, who's another guy who's just climbing, you uh -huh. know he, he ran to Emmett Pichot in Atlanta, which almost I almost got him. Well, at, when we first looked at that matchup, we thought, oh, no, these guys play every week in the Bay Area. It's too bad that they come out here. And you kind of you think the writing's on the wall when you've got the veteran 
taking on kind of a protege type of situation. And all of a sudden, Lauren jumps all over Emmett. He's up 12-5 in that first game. Emmett was all out of sorts. Somehow managed to come back and win that first game. He gets trounced, Emmett does, in game number two. He's down 4-0 in the third game, and you're starting to think, this could actually happen. And then Lauren gets cramps in both his legs, and he's pretty much done from there. But he showed for that first hour and a half, he's there to compete against anybody in the top eight. You know, yeah. you're pushing Emmett like that. So Lauren takes 10th in Tucson. Very impressive win against Adam Bernhard, 25-8. to eight. Yeah, That's okay. one of the most lopsided qualifier finals you'll ever see between two ranked pros. Just unusual. Yeah. Usually it's at least 25-18. I mean, 25-8? to eight? You start questioning whether or not there's an injury involved or something but else. But there isn't because Bernhard goes on to win 17th, beats Langmack in that final. So Bernhard was obviously playing well in that tournament. Yeah. And Collado takes him apart. Eric Torres is a guy, Dave, that we don't see him enough. We mm-hmm. saw him at the end of last season. I think he played in two straight events, but he skipped the first two stops this year. He was in Hawaii. He's at weddings. I mean, when you're as likable as Eric Torres, you're at a lot of weddings. Yeah. You're in weddings. You're the groomsman. You're the best man. And that's kind of a dilemma for Eric, who they call Chino in the Bay Area, because obviously he wants to be at these tournaments, but he's got probably 450 friends. They're all counting on him. I mean, if you meet the guy, you realize, wow, this guy's the best. Yeah. No, I mean, he's an amazing guy. And, you know, there's that that should be something we talk about on the podcast sometime. Okay. It might be a five-minute segment. Yeah, just on Eric. No, just the amazing people in Ample. Uh, yeah. Well, Eric's <laughs> right there at the top of that list. But yeah. this guy is power and effortlessness. He just kind of floats around the court almost like a Federer, I would say, where it looks like he's not even moving or trying, but he's everywhere. Hitting the ball hard. Great serve. I've never seen anybody hit the crack on the left side wall like he does. Maybe Andy Nett. But he does it a little bit differently with uh, Eric does. With a hard, natural, kind of hits the ball from up around his waist on the serve. Really a good serve. No, I think he actually has a lot of potential. And it's really about whether or not he can find the court time, get in there and become a gym rat and and have the drive or some type of of goal that he's going to set. Because you know, if he says, I'm going to try to break the top 12, yeah. I think he easily could do it. And uh-huh. I say easily, easily well, can do it. Eric's one of these guys that didn't even start playing until late. I don't think he started in San Jose until he was 16 or 17. And you know they've got a very good program there, a lot of good players. He was beating everyone there within two years of starting. So it shows you his talent. He's not one of these guys that grew up with a ball in his hand from the time he was eight years old. He literally started when he was 16 or 17, became a pro four or five years later. Almost inconceivable. The LAAC's John Wayne Cortez and Dylan Hernandez, I'm going to group these two together. They play together out of the same club. They met in the finals of that LAAC pre-qualifier, which was an actual qualifier because two guys in the top 25 were in it. So the winner of that match officially earned a pro ranking. Watching the those matches... Wow, these guys have it all. I mean, I've watched John Wayne, even in his losses, he led Luis or Leo Canales Jr. 18-3 to in Atlanta to 25, yeah, and you're thinking, wow, this guy is here. He's on a mission. He was on a mission for the first 21 points, and then all of a sudden just yeah, kind mean, of fell apart. He had such a big lead that we went up to the guy etching his name into the actual draw, right. got him to etch it really quick, and then we quickly fired him so we didn't have to pay the rest of his day. And then come to find out, we had to go, you know, once you fire somebody, you have to hire him back to go and etch the name back in. I think that was a good experience, although traumatic for John Wayne. It showed him what he needs to do. He's got the shots, maybe just a little bit more patience and conditioning to get him over the line. And it's hard to put away a good player like Leo Canales, even if you're up 18-3. to three. Still have to keep making good shots. And 
you know, kind of like they say in the NBA, they're going to make a run. He yeah. made his run, and John Wayne just couldn't stop it. Although he got down, John Wayne did 24-20 after leading 18-3 and then tied at 24. So yeah. amazing kind of yeah. swings there. Well, it's, but, you know, I felt so good for him. You know, I, I don't – I'm not – as close to him as say like a Vic Perez and a Marco Chavez mm-hmm. and those guys that actually work out with him. So they have, you know, the real feeling. But for me, I look at that and say, you know, your whole life, you try to want to qualify on the pro tour and you just yeah. don't want to let it go. And right. even at 47 or eight or however old I am, I still think I can do it. And so I, I know exactly what John Wayne's going through. I want to be that guy as well. Right. Same thing that uh, George Garcia went through. Your Dylan Hernandez is going through. Dylan Hernandez, I've never seen him play live, but watched him on the Facebook feed. Wow. Takes apart Leo Canales Jr. in the semifinals. Two-game win. Comfortable. I mean, Dylan Hernandez hitting serves four or five inches high on the front wall. Next shot is two inches high with either hand. Really impressed. Dylan Hernandez is a guy that you'd have to say the best guy to never qualify right now. I mean, that's been playing qualifiers. He's been in the finals of Portland where he lost to Aaron Garner in October. Finals of Tucson where he lost to Shorty. And then finals of LAC where he lost a tiebreaker to John Wayne. So three straight events, he's in the qualifier final. He's knocking on the door. Only yeah, a matter of time. I'd say, yeah, he's definitely the number one guy. And okay. Matthew Chu is up there as well. Matt Chu. And um, trying to think of another one here. Ibarra, maybe? I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Okay. These guys could do it. And then the, you have other dudes out there like Scotty Moeller, who you know right. is a damn good player mm-hmm. that should qualify on the tour. Right. He's not making our list, but he just needs to play more, and he will be on the list. What else do we have? Anything else? Well, we could jump into the recaps of the the pre-qualifiers this season since we were just talking about those qualifiers. Yeah, do it really quickly, though, because we're running out of time here in segment number three. Tucson kicked off the Rays Freight 8 season with the Tucson Rays Freight pre-qualifier second straight season early September. That was when we made history. Well, I should say Leo Canales Sr. made history, not us. 52 years old, defeats Shorty Ruiz and then Abraham Montillo to become the oldest qualifier yeah. in race freight history. Well, we made we made history by not going out into the parking lot and strangling him to death mm. for okay. doing that. I mean, you just can't turned, be 52 years old. Just turned 53 this month. It's unbelievable. He finished. He, he took his travel stipend and his direct entry into Tucson, finished 13th there, but did finish 4th in the seniors. Salt Lake City, for whom the bell tolls, Rob Bell, who studied under Dave Chapman, the great late Dave Chapman, looked really strong there. He earns the travel stipend. He's going to go to NYAC for the race for eight light. Defeated Chris Torres there in a very good match. We talked about the Portland Classic slash race for eight pre-qualifier run by Connor Casey there at the MAC. Aaron Garner coming back to the fold, takes out Dylan Hernandez. Getting a lot of updates from that match, Dave, and just, wow, this is amazing handball. Flat rolls great gets and i believe it now after watching dylan i'd, I'd not seen him at that time but now it, it all makes sense and i know how good aaron is he's been a race for eight eight elite right. eight invite yeah i mean that doesn't just we don't just hand those out well he put a zero on naughty jr wow i remember that that was in houston yeah ryan bowler gets the stipend and in pittsburgh at the rfc 10 finally defeats mike semplis for the first time in four matches so bowler took his stipend to tucson where he did not qualify finished 19th there i think maybe most impressive could be max langmack i only say this because we told him the week before he was going to texas well alan garner is the best player we've ever seen so oh yeah yeah and he sat there and just listened to this he'd never even seen alan he beats <laughs> alan the next week in a tiebreaker i watched that match also max looked really good there i mean 
closed out that tiebreaker, I think, with six or seven straight points from four all to 11 to four against Allen. And Allen didn't look too bad from what I was watching, but Max made a lot of good shots there. Then Max defeats Memo Polaris in the final there, also in a tiebreaker. And then at the LAAC, which was just a couple weeks ago, it was John Wayne, as you said, Dave, getting his first pro qualifier card. There is a bunch of players right now on that. I, I don't want to insult anybody, but in yeah. that third tier, fourth tier mm-hmm. spot, it, it, that's if we get really particular with the top tiers, you yeah. know, just saying that number one's number one and then yeah. number two. But they're in a tier right now. There's a whole bunch. You got the Eric Torreses. I, I'd like to see an Eric play a, a Lane Mack These or a Sam Esser. They, they're all at Lauren Colados. I mean, you talk about anybody 9 through 25, 9 through 30. Those are all throughout the record book matches. But then there's a slew of players from Ireland that aren't oh, playing on the tour that right. are automatically already into yes. that realm. And it's yes. just... Would be great to see all of that come together. Yeah, you've got Colin Crehan and Sean Kerr, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, see, I believe they're in that upper, you know, I think Crehan's in that like second or third tier. Okay. We're talking about that tier that's just wanting to come into that one. Okay. That one right below. Yeah. Yeah, so, so many great players. No, it's fun. It's actually yeah. a good time. And it, it, again, I keep bringing it up, but a lot of people are talking about, you know, the, the state of the sport of handball, saying it's in a bad place. There's not a lot of juniors. I don't know if you guys have been watching, but there's some really darn good players out there and they're not all coming from ireland right i mean the ones from ireland are winning (laughs) but but no irish champion so far this season on the race for eight that's true mexico champion from mexico and also from the united states so far well the women's tour has one Mm. right is that rapid for this segment i know it seems like i'm really trying to get these segments over i mean you're in a hurry i'm not in a hurry feels like it feel like I'm hungry, though. We're going to talk about the Race Freight 8 Portland coming up Oh, yeah, after I want to break. do that. Yeah, can't wait okay. to talk about that. We'll be back in just a bit. It is episode number 18. I think when you get to 100, you go into syndication. You don't ever have to do it again. <laughs> Not sure how that works. It's a Dave and Dave Sports radio cast here on TuneIn, Patreon, and iTunes. We'll be back in just a bit. Stick with us. You're listening to the Sports Radio Cast with hosts Dave and Dave. From outdoor tournament planning, the Race for Eight professional tour on ESPN, junior handball development, coaching and mentoring, or creative handball marketing, the World Players of Handball has set out to grow the sport through innovation. Junior WPH is flourishing. They have a full-time development director and coach on staff, a hot new coaching manual that is a must-grab, and a department of instructors that will train, mentor, teach, and introduce handball to over 5,000 new recruits a year. Without your donations and membership support, though, the WPH would not be where they are today. The WPH is a 501c3 nonprofit foundation. Please encourage others in your area to support, donate, volunteer, and give. Visit the WPH website at wphlive.tv or go to thehandballstore.com to purchase your merchandise, player's card, all-access video pass, or donation. 100% of web store sales goes right back into the development of the game. The World Players of Handball at WPHlive.tv. Thank you for the continued support. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. one. WPHlive.tv presents the Dave and Dave Sports Radio Cast on TuneIn Radio. Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and now Patreon, episode number 18. As we wrap up this 2018, it's been a great year. We're going to be on 
ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app coming up December 29th and 30th, both starting at 10 o'clock in the morning. And you can watch it on ESPN3, that's the channel, through the Watch ESPN app. Although there's so many other really cool ways, and I'm just now kind of exploring those, Dave. On my TV set, I don't even have to flip a button. It's just right there. Hmm. So it's kind of cool that ESPN's channels are now starting to integrate with regular TV channels, and you can watch it right on your TV. You can also go to Roku, Xbox 360, does it, Chromecast, straight from your phone if you'd like, Hmm. or you can just go onto the web and type in watchespn.com and then go to channel ESPN3 and then look up handball. And then sign in with your credentials that you would use in order to pay your regular cable bill or satellite bill. And then it's free. You can just watch it. It's part of your programming. It's actually really cool. We're going to be there at the Multnomah Athletic Club, which was in 2016 in May when we were there before. One of the best stops we've ever had. It was a fun feeling. It had a lot of hype. And uh, the pros loved it, right? So did the fans. Yeah, I would say it's the best show court in all of handball in the world. I mean, you've got that amazing fan-friendly two-glass show court. You can watch from upstairs, downstairs, behind the court. And every match we've ever had there has been memorable, historic. We remember the 2009 World Championships, Paul Brady taking out Alan Garner in the finals there. We also had so many amazing matchups just to get to the finals there in 2009. And then 2016 was more the same. You remember that Sean Lenning, Mondo Ortiz semifinal Saturday night in Portland at the Players' Championship in 2016. That was incredible. The atmosphere there. I was watching that one courtside. Wow, it was it was amazing. Killian Carroll defeats Paul Brady there in 2016. That was kind of the start of Killian Carroll taking over the sport. He won that Players' Championship. He became the first to win two Players' Championships in 2017. Now he's won three in a row. So... I know, Dave, you know Portland handball as well as anybody. You learned how to play handball in Oregon. So I think the Multnomah Athletic Club was kind of like that that place that you always aspired to, to play and win championships. I know you did at the MAC. Well, yeah, you know, it was an important part of my life. And just like, you know, when you were a kid growing up, there was a certain stadium that uh, or either in handball or tennis or golf that you wanted to attend. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it was right. for me. Portland was the pinnacle. Right. That's and I think it's the pinnacle for a lot of people, not just in the Pacific Northwest, but you want to be on that court in the big match because right. the enthusiasm and electricity from the crowd is incredible. I mean, you feel that as a player, whether you acknowledge it or not, you're feeling it and it pushes you to another level. Yeah, I think that's what we all strive to do when we play sports anyway. So it's a it's a great environment for the pros. They also get to see the fans and, you know, and some of the knocks that, that the fans would give the pros in the old days was that they weren't connecting to the fans very well. Right, they they felt like the pros were aloof. Would go back to the hotel, would be kind of alone, uh, not hang out with them. Well, these show courts really get the fans and the players connected much more than they ever were before. Uh, not saying that it's a, you know it's an exact science or anything, but I have uh, you know I've seen it myself just by watching the players. They seem to make eye contact, talk with the players a little bit more. Uh, but it's a different pro tour now. These guys are actually staying at their houses and hanging out and you know giving tutorials and clinics. It's kind of a cool environment. Well, you heard some players say, oh, man, that's going to be tough between Christmas and New Year's. We've got one of the biggest draws in the history of the yeah. Rays for eight. 20 ranked players entered, which we've never had before, and 22 more players hoping to join that ranked paid ranks. 42 players total, and we've had to, you know, lengthen the draw, make yeah. it bigger for people who are just desperate to get well, in. Well, we could so, have capped it really easy. Right. I mean, it was capped, but it, I believe that this tournament could have pulled in somewhere in the 50s. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a state of handball, when people are talking about the numbers of these players playing at major events being down as low as 11 at some of these majors. Right. And complaining about that. Well, this is one of those, you know, it's 42, but we capped it. Right. I think it could have gone up to 60. Yeah. I mean, now, at you, the worst time of year, really, to travel. Right. The most expensive, that is. You talked about the interaction. Junior WPH has a lot planned in conjunction with the USHA in Portland. We've been talking about this, Dave, as you know, for months, making sure that the kids are going to be able to be inspired and on the court with the pros. Friday night, there's going to be an autograph session right by the show court for all the kids to meet the pros, get some signatures, some pictures. The pros are going to be doing clinics on Saturday. The pros will also be part of a short court two-bounce competition that Don Quinlan runs. So it's going to be very, very exciting. I know the the pros love to be involved and on the court with the kids and meeting the kids and it feels good to have these these great young players looking up to you no i i think it's really great it's a perfect environment for the pro player to go to not just the older fans that want to see the pros and see how well they play but really the juniors this is really what the tournament's about anyway and now the pros are going to be in the same house they're going to be refing mm-hmm. some of these matches are going to be inspiring like you said there's there's the the two bounce thing you're going to see pro players in there as well i think it's going to be a great environment our pros today as i tried to say to one of the organizers of this tournament they don't drink alcohol it's mm-hmm. not like that's going to be something that's around these guys you're going to see you know vegetarians they I, i'm not going to say that you guys are model citizens dave but oh, you know okay. it's pretty darn cool to see you guys mingle with these kids we've got two race freight number ones right now co number ones that has not happened since 2017 it's sean lenning and killian carroll sean tying killian by winning that tucson stop sean's win last win before that was las vegas of 18 just seems like when sean beats killian like we talked about, Killian brings out the best in you, and he's brought out the best in Sean. Probably the two best matches I've ever seen Sean play. We're beating Killian the last two times he's beat him. And yet, Sean doesn't get the number one seed in Portland. Hmm. I mean, you would say, well, why? But that's because the incumbent still receives that number oh, one. Okay. Sort of like in golf when you both tie at a hole, but the guy that you're paired up with right. shot first, yeah. he shoots again. Okay. Yeah. See. We talked about Killian... Slow start this season for him, a semifinal loss in Atlanta and a finals loss in Tucson. But he seems to have bounced back in Chicago, won that Thanksgiving week weekend event, the exhibition of champions at Lake Forest. Then he wins the Milwaukee Classic, took out a lot of good players there. So maybe he's back on track. Daniel Cordova. Daniel and Luis have kind of become the talk of handball. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when I'm around handball players, I hear a lot of talk about the Flying Cordovas. Whether I'm at the TRC Clubhouse or I'm on Facebook, it seems to be all about the Cordovas, and well-deserved. Daniel Cordova's been in two of the last four race for eight finals. He broke through in New York, dominant, all the way to the finals there. He lost to Killian, then he makes the finals again in Atlanta, where it looked like he was going to win there most of that third game, and he comes up just short. Luis Cordova, who I mentioned earlier, I think maybe playing the best handball of anyone on the tour this season. He wins in Atlanta. He was very close to taking out Sean Lenning, who he's had a great rivalry with. I think maybe the most exciting rivalry in handball, Lucho and Sean Lenning, but he comes up just short 15 to 11, and you saw how well Sean played in the final. So Luis hanging right in there with that. So, you know, very exciting. I think you'd have to say the top four are the top four favorites in Portland based on how they've been playing this season and then late last season. Yeah, I was trying to take a quick look at the seeds while you were talking right there. Killian Carroll is the number one seed in Portland. Sean Lenning is number two. Daniel Cordova is the three seed. Luis Cordova is number four. And then Mondo Perez, excuse me, Mondo Ortiz, and then Vic Perez back to back. That's five and six. 
And then you are number seven, and Emmett Pichot is number eight. Okay. That's how the Elite Eight round out with a uh, a blind draw that took place live on our YouTube channel and Patreon. So Daniel Cordova, if the seeds held up, could run into Sean Lenning in the semifinals, and they played in the semis in Atlanta. Daniel won that match. That's also an, an interesting rival. We've seen Daniel defeat Sean, but also Sean looked destroy. At, yeah, at times, yeah, 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 has destroyed. So that. That could be interesting. Of course, there's a lot of matches to be played. Yeah, this will be goodness. it's a huge just tournament. The first time in two or three years that the Elite Eight have had to play in a round of 32. Normally, they're into the round of 16, but here it's an open draw, and they could run into some good ball players there in that round of 32. I mean, that might not be a walk for anyone in the Elite Eight. We've got some guys we don't even know: Coleman McGrath, um, yeah, O'Malley from Ireland. I mean, I'm just assuming he's good. He's from Ireland. So, Walsh also coming Walsh, in. Walsh, right? I mean, yeah. so you've got guys that are very, very strong players and unknown players. And I think kind of an advantage for these unknowns because I know they've watched all the pros many, many times and the pros coming in having never seen them. Yeah, it's actually a cool environment for everybody because I think it, when it, the players are going to be kind of set off just a little bit. The environment's a little bit different. You have players that you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. It's, you have cameras poked in your face. Yeah. It's just after Christmas when you might not be in the best shape of your entire life. You know, at that moment, you know how the players are. The next round, they are just have improved. There might be a lot of rust, is what I'm saying. A lot of yams mm. still on the fork, if yeah. you know what I mean. So that it's going to be cool, just based off that alone. Well, I'm looking forward to, you know, I've got Elite Eight pros text me. Are we going to be playing on Friday morning? That's cool. Yeah, it's good. They're like, worried about it. I like hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they've never been told, so how would they know? That's true. They, they can't read it. Right. So, Kevin Carroll won the only race stop in Portland 2016, so he'll come in there having never lost on that court. Yeah. Sean Lennon, kind of a hometown guy there, Pacific Northwest. It depends on what his motivation is. I, I see Killian winning Portland mm-hmm. myself, but... I mean, you know, he, who I'll knows? say I'm, I'm looking forward to Luis Cordova and Killian. That would be a semifinal, I believe, right? The way the seeds have been yeah, worked out. Yeah. That would be. That's going to be good. That's an interesting match. I know Killian beat him pretty handily, well, in the first game in Milwaukee, but it's 21-18 in, in the second right, game. Right, saw that. And, you know, Lucha is one of these guys. You saw it in that article that K3, Kiravitas wrote. He's the race for eight warrior. Yeah. He doesn't care. You can beat him 21-0. He's coming back to the second game as though the match just started. You know, when you were coming up and let's say after the, the second comeback that you had or the first comeback that you've had, mm-hmm. I think you were in your 30s and you started making it up the totem pole. And then when you broke into the Elite Eight, how, what did that do to you to motivate you physically and how you treated your body and, and how seriously you took the sport of handball? Well, I think the more success you have, the more serious you get about it because you realize that, you know, you're climbing closer and closer to the ultimate goal, which is to the top. So, you know, I feel like now, 41, I'm too serious about it, too serious about everything that I do to the point where maybe it it actually hurts me. But I think all these guys and I was I was impressed and I would say a little bit surprised to read about the transition the Cordovas have made with their fitness and conditioning and diet because I knew Luis when he was 20 or 21 he didn't even know what a fruit was or a vegetable now he's got his wife preparing these very healthy meals he's heading to the the gym at lunch 
He's playing practice matches at lunch. You know, he's always playing on the court. And that's, you know, a big difference. Just looking at Luis Cordova or Daniel, the stature of their build is completely different now than it was two or three years ago. Well, I think that's what I'm getting at because yeah. I can see that they've actually, both of them have actually looked at it in some sort of spiritual sense and said, I'm going to actually step up now. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to step up even more than I did because I lost to this guy. Right. I thought I was taking it serious, but I still know I can take it even more serious. And clearly they've answered the bell that they've been ringing themselves. I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah. But, you know, they're not the only ones doing it. So, you know, you've got a lot of guys that are taking this just as seriously. So the competition is fierce. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I, I really have enjoyed watching this transformation uh, amongst the Cordova brothers. I'm, I'm still debating over who I think is better than the other one. You know, because there's that, there's a point where you say well Daniel is better but Luis has actually got the results and I think he's probably one of the most feared players on the pro tour right now well I think Luis's serve has kind of taken him to a new level that was really his only liability was didn't have much of a serve now he's getting a lot of free points with that power serve down the right and Daniel of course is known for his serve but Luis is just kind of hitting a straight serve down the right almost like a Rivera cutter you know what's coming it's very difficult to return and he's got that great offense waiting for you for yeah. a week return he's totally impressive he's another one that's gonna do well in portland and but killian carroll we don't know anything about what he does as far as conditioning but he clearly is doing the most because he seems to be the fittest player at every tournament he's he's the guy that after like we said an hour of play is still just as strong as he was in the beginning where if you lose 10 or 15 percent of your conditioning against killian you're done right no, he's a stud. That guy, is, he's put it all together. He's done a lot of things, I think, also uh, around the game off the court Right. that is, you know, unrecognized in a lot of ways. Killian is a champion on the court, and he's playing well. Right. And and what he does to get prepared is has to be inspiring. There's no doubt about that. But let's take a look at the guy who's always accessible. He's doing interviews anytime that you want to ask him to do that. He's flying all around the country doing clinics. Right. Here's something that I don't supposed to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mm-hmm. Just because we're on the subject, Killian Carroll, the last couple junior national tournaments has have flown a couple junior players from Ireland with his own money wow. to go play in America because he remembers how it felt when he was younger and how important it was for his career. This guy is giving back to the game. He does it subtly. He doesn't broadcast it. He's not that uh, Kardashian, let's get it on TV, selfie, mm-hmm. reality star. He's a guy that just does it. He kind of puts his hard hat on. Slips the boots on, goes to work, and does all the right things. Killing Carroll is the quintessential Very pro player. inspiring. Yeah, I love his game. I love uh, the player that he is and the man that he is as well. He's just a really cool gentleman and uh, quite friendly off the court. Of course, he's a yes. he's somebody that you can look up to, no doubt. I do, and I'm you know old enough to be his father. Mm. Yep. Not as outspoken as his father, but old enough to be. <laughs> What else we have in this segment? I'm well, not trying to push it along. I'm just asking. Not at all. I don't Junior want to... WPH just headed about 100 miles west to Tempe, the ASU homework and handball event. That was where the ASU handball team hosted. They had about 12 players there from ASU. The Carl Hayden High School team, also from Phoenix, was a part of that tournament. Plus a lot of very solid open players in that event also. But Junior WPH headed up there, did clinics, separated the the players into groups of four or five based on their level. And really, the kids were able to experience, you know, being on the court, hitting the ball, because sometimes you see these clinics with 15 kids on a court. 
there's not much that the kids can do in terms of hitting the ball. But, you know, these groups were four or five, and I think the kids really got a lot out of it. There was a Q&A session following the clinics, which the kids asked a lot of really interesting questions. They were very engaged. And then even some autographs being really? done after the... Yeah, it was incredible. So, you know, to me, the enthusiasm of the kids is what makes the clinic. If you sense, and you know this, Dave, if you sense that, you know, you're your participants are engaged and they're into it. I mean, that makes coaching, that's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what makes coaching fun. I mean, you they're doing you a favor letting you coach them when they're, you know, that interested in becoming better players. No, that's cool. Yeah, it was very cool. And, you know, Junior WPH Roadshow is all over the country. We'll be in Portland at the with the USHA Junior Four Wall Nationals alongside the Race Freight event. And we mentioned all that um, great events initiatives we have planned up there early in january usha and wph collaborating again at the uwf west florida argos classic there'll be a lot of great junior and collegiate clinics and initiatives happening there and you know you stay tuned juniorhandball.com for everything that's going on in junior handball I, i'm pretty impressed i i saw one day that you sent in a story as you're the senior writer mm-hmm. You sent in a story, and I was like, oh, you went to ASU, mm-hmm. or you went to U of A, did a clinic there with a bunch of kids. I didn't even know you had that on the on the schedule. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty impressive what's going on. Also, I don't want to be the one to break it here, but I, I think we could break this news. It looks like here in Tucson, Arizona, that Randolph project is going to wow. kick off, where there are 10, give or take, outdoor slash indoor mm-hmm. handball courts, four wall. Mm-hmm. They're going to take off back walls on four to five of those courts and make it into a really legitimate tournament ready handball facility that will be governed by the world players of handball and some of the locals here who will take ownership on it it's going to be a fun thing and really have to put you know hats off to benny young and jeff helam help from uh, doug clark as well and to you dave i know that you engineered that project i saw the blueprints and if it comes to fruition which it sounds like it will wow that's going to be just an incredible spot to hang out and play handball it's going to be fun and i think they're going to kick off the project hopefully february 1st that's how close and that means that we could actually have a tournament sometime in 2019 mm. and it's going to be really cool like a really cool hot spot now four courts not the most premier when it comes to holding these major tournaments, but we can make it happen. We it's have. also centrally located in right. a nice area with you know nice green grass and right. huge trees. And, and green grass is hard to come by in Tucson. It's the second time I've ever seen it. Mm. So, yeah. First time I woke up in a gutter <laughs> with a lost wallet. Mm. But this second time was, I think, even more better at Randolph. Mm. We're going to wrap up segment four. Or was that four? Or was that five? I don't know what segment we're in anymore. I think that was three. No. No? No. Not the way I've been pushing these things along. That was segment five. Okay. Yeah, we have segment six coming up. All right. Okay, let's do that. But before we do that, let's play some stand-up hilarity. You're listening to, or watching, depending on what platform you're on, the Dave and Dave Sports Handball Radio podcast here. It's episode number 18 today here on Patreon as well as iTunes, TuneIn Radio. Here's some stand-up hilarity. Well, there are some subjects that are only 50% universal because of the sexual differences. Urinals are 50% universal. Most women have seen a urinal, they will look at one time, whoa, a urinal! One time. We guys have to work them. But uh, there's nothing to do with the urinal. You stare straight ahead of you, and what do you see? Standard crane, American standard. 
So you gotta kill the time. First thing you do is you inscribe your initials on the urinal. Then they run a little bit, then you wet down the entire urinal. Wet down, wet down. Wet down entire urinal. Cover all of the dry spots. Gotta get them all. Every one. You gotta look, see if the light is shining. Then, and only then, are you allowed to go after these cigarettes at the bottom of the urinal. Camels and Luckies were easy, but a Kent with a Micronite filter <laughs> takes three guys and a keg of beer. Come on, guys. Hey, come on. Let's go, man. This is Real Radio. We talk sports. Now on iTunes, the Dave and Dave Sportscast is live. I'm a loser. I am a showman. You come off a bit cocky. I know, and I've grown to accept that. Turn on iTunes, tune in radio, and the Dave and Dave Handball Sportscast on WPH Live TV. Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radiocast here on iTunes, tune in radio, and our new friend, Patreon. Dave, where if you become a Patreon, you have a chance to get some exclusive handball content. And though I know I haven't passed this along to you, mm-hmm. but you could do some clinics for some of these pros or some of the fans, those that have become Patreons, mm-hmm. and they're going to dig it. You know, little tips. Right. Here's what you do on a second serve, yada, yada. That could be something that is a Patreon exclusive. And ultimately, that's what a Patreon is about. You're getting exclusive content from the organization that runs the professional tour and does so much with Junior Handball. You know, like the Dave Chapman instructional videos, stuff like that. Well, we have that available, and you can get it on Patreon. Also, access to the radio cast that we're talking about today here. Uh, Breaking news, gossip, uh, editorials. You know, the Dan Zimmett's wraparound, you can get that first before it debuts out to the public. You can get uh, a little bit more opinionated articles written freehand just by, (laughs) like, yourself. (laughs) I did notice that you put up an archive match, Paul Brady against Luis Cordova from Portland 2016 quarterfinals. Yeah. That's to Patreons only, so I didn't get to see that. Yeah, right. That's something that I know that nobody else has been able to see. Yeah. Just posted, I believe, either yesterday or maybe last week. But right. there's a brand new Paul Brady video posted every single week on Patreon. And some of them, most of them, are ones that you've never seen before. Well, I'm looking forward to those DV freelance riffs that don't make it necessarily public, but may make it Patreon public. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, no, that's the... When you say riffs, do you mean tiffs or <laughs> vents or what do you mean? Any of the above. The blow-ups or... Yeah, the blow-ups, the opinions. Wow. Yeah, I can't wait to read those. I remember when Tish the Dish was here in the studio and yeah. we one time were talking about... I think it was probably sexism or maybe it was religion or something yes. yeah. before we actually started the radio show. Yeah. That's recorded though. So you could get that as a Patreon potentially. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like the next episode. Nobody would actually be on the show. We'd all be fired. Right. But that's the sort of things that should happen. Hmm. And will here on Patreon, it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash WPH live. And go check it out. It's actually a lot of cool stuff. We're going to have some interesting posts. It'll be a lot of fun. You could also, I think the biggest benefit, Dave, is not only on-demand videos, but you're going to be able to get that exclusive hidden link 
to watch live matches that you would see like on uh, ESPN that you have been neglecting yeah. to log in onto the regular system. You can actually just get the link. Okay. So when you go up to Portland and you're unable to watch because you live in a in a time zone or maybe in a blacked out area or a region that you that you probably can't get the feed on, then you're going to get the feed. That's on Patreon. A lot of secrecy here in Patreon, but good secrecy if you're involved. Yeah, I, again, it's exclusive handball content. So, you know, you don't want to rub it in somebody's face that they're not part of the exclusive membership or club. But that's exactly what we're doing. Hmm. That's what it is. It's Patreon. Go on, become a member, sign up, and reap in the benefits. There's a lot of freebies as well. You have, you know, your chance to even help mold the company. We'll ask questions. Polls. We'll poll you. And see what your response is. Well, I know you've already had, we've already had some top 15 pros join. They're interested in this. Content. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I like that. Lauren Collada, want to thank you for joining. Pat Murphy, want to thank him. Pat Murphy, one of the elite coaches in the world. Paul Fitzpatrick, who basically had his own channel mm-hmm. that uh, I subscribe to, the Cabin Handball Podcast. Mm-hmm. It's pretty darn good. Yeah. And you've listened to it. Yes. Well, they're on Patreon as well. And so listen to their new episode that they uploaded. So make sure to go there. He was the first person to ever join in on Patreon. Uh, we have pro player written tips. So again, we'll get guys like Mondo Ortiz mm-hmm. to write down, you know, what his his uh, thought process is when he goes in there for that second serve crack ace. Mm. You know, exclusive. I've experienced many of those. Mondo Ortiz second serve crack aces. Okay, well... Get ready. He's going to put it in writing. Mm. It'll be heavily, heavily edited (laughs) to include capitalization and periods and punctuation and grammar and syntax Mm. corrections. But he will put it down nonetheless. That's the sort of stuff you're going to get on Patreon. Fortunately, we have Kira Vitas as our editor. So she'll be Ah. able to take care of all that for us. Can't wait for that to happen. So anyway, that's Patreon. And it also wraps up segment number six. We'll be back in just a bit. Stick around. We'll have seven coming up. I think that's our last one of the day with celebrity birthdays. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Portland. But, you know, it's all coming up. It's the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and now Patreon. We'll be back. Episode number 18 will continue with, with segment seven next. Stick with us. You're locked on to WPH Live Radio with Dave and Dave on TuneIn Radio and now iTunes. Have you seen our website? It's pretty amazing. www.wphlive.tv Whether it's live filming, the Race for Eight professional tour, junior handball development, coaching and mentoring, or event planning, the World Players of Handball has you covered. The WPH Live TV crew is sinking the time, effort, and energy into growing the game of handball on a grassroots level with a focus on mass media attention. Since 2014, the WPH has aired over 20 tournaments on ESPN, and the upcoming season will also be filmed on the network. Junior WPHs flourishing as the WPH is a full-time development director and coach on staff and a department of instructors that will train, mentor, teach, and introduce handball to over 5,000 new recruits and junior athletes before year's end. Thank you for assisting the group that sees a very bright future for the game of handball. Without your donations and membership support, the WPH would not be where they are today. The WPH is a 501c3 nonprofit foundation. Please encourage others 
partners in your area to support, donate, volunteer, and give. Visit the WPH website at WPHlive.tv or go to thehandballstore.com to purchase your Players Card membership. Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio cast on iTunes and TuneIn Radio Plus Patreon today. Go to our Patreon channel at patreon.com backslash WPHlive. Become a Patreon and get exclusive handball content. Like, what does Dave Fink eat before his matches? That's the type of stuff you can find out. I can't wait to join just for that. (laughs) Going to be a lot of fun. Celebrity birthday time. (laughs) What's happening in birthdays? Let's just talk about the birthdays today that are happening right now. Before we get into all of the December birthdays, Keep Richards... 75. 75 years young for Keith? Yikesy. Still doing it. I remember last year he was partying with Justin Bieber. Mm. So the Biebs and Keith, we like to call him Keith, K-E-E-F. Okay. Keith reportedly hung out. You know what? I, I just I can't believe a, musi- a musician that far into his prime is actually hanging out with Keith Richards. Steven Spielberg. That was supposed to be not 72. funny. 72. 72. Mm-hmm. He's one of your faves. Is he? I, yeah. Three biggest Steven Spielberg movies. My biggest would be Empire of the Sun, mm-hmm. featuring a very young 11-year-old Christian Bale. Wow. It's a nice World War II flick mm-hmm. based in France. I'm sure you watched it. I haven't. Christian Bale on screen for over an hour and 20 minutes as an 11-year-old. Absolutely unbelievable. It's actually the very first film I believe Ben Stiller was ever in as well. And he played a straight dude not being funny. Hmm. I don't know what else would be my other favorite Spielberg. E.T.? I don't know. I mean, it was cool. Brad Pitt, 55. I can't believe it. Still looks good. I saw that and I was like, 55? My favorite Brad Pitt moment is when he guest starred on Friends. I know you were working that day. You didn't see it, but very, very funny. As soon as you said Friends, I started painting my nails. I have <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin, 54. I, that's an, what? Still what? Still looks the same. Oh, my goodness. Katie Holmes. Instead of blowing out the candles on his cake, he just takes a baseball bat and beats it up. Sprays beer all over it. That's right. Katie Holmes is how old? 40. These are really depressing. I don't know if we should do the birthdays anymore. How, we're ending your day on this radio cast with the most depressing information. Christina Aguilera, 38. Saw that. Doesn't look a day over 47. Grew up just down the street from me in Pittsburgh. Oh, huh, cool. Christina. Yeah, I remember that. You also, so did uh, Abby Lee from uh, Dance Moms. No offense. Never heard of that. That's good. Don't Google it because I know you'll hate me for it. Let's talk about the handball birthdays that are happening in December. Okay. Your favorite handball player, your favorite left-handed player, Dermot Nash, 28. Oh, I thought it was Daniel Daskalakis, but okay, I'll go with it. 28, Dermot. Dermot Nash, already so accomplished at just 28, he's just entering his prime. Scary for the rest of the handball world. Mm-hmm. Anthony, the teen heartthrob, Celesto. He's had a lot of bad luck. 31. I Do you think his handball days are over? I hope not. He had not. a couple big injuries. He was loading a piece of uh, equipment onto the back of a flatbed. And we're talking about thousands of pounds here, like a backhoe. Yeah. 
it actually slips off and lands on his leg oh and gosh. breaks it in half. We're oh talking about gosh. his whole leg was in compound fracture city. So he's trying to make a comeback from that after having a couple surgeries already, one on his shoulder and then one on his knee. So Two on his knees. Yeah, so that was the surgeries before that right. accident. Well, let's wish him the best because we definitely miss him on the tour. No, he's one of the best. Leo Canales Sr., 53. Shaking my head. Just breaking records. This is one of those rare guys that actually retires you and you don't even play him. Hmm. He retired me. I was making a comeback and I saw him win at 52. I was like, I'm out. I'll still play, but I'm not going to play in the tournament. Thank you, Leo. Andy Shad, 46. How Andy? are these guys younger than me? It doesn't make sense. Andy Shad, a very nice pro career. Yeah. Good Top. 40 career as well. He's got a 40 senior race freight players championship. Yeah. 2013. Let's move on to some non-handball celebrities. Okay. Are, are there such a thing? Well, they're, they're B-listers compared to handballers. Martin Scorsese, 76. It's another one. Keith Richards being 75, and this, you know, Scorsese at 76. Wow. Danny DeVito, 74. Love him. I think he's great. Lorne Michaels, Saturday Night Live. Cre creator? Or, I mean, I know he's, he's producer. a producer. Yeah, I would say creator. Yeah, he was there from the beginning. Okay. Why is it that all these celebrities are 74, 5, 6 right now? Dave, are they like handball players? They're the baby <laughs> the, the, the That's the uh, the core. Daisy Fuentes, who I know you started doing Pilates because of Daisy about 20 years ago. Still doing it, I believe. I started wearing spandex and tights because of her. She's 52. Rachel McAdams, Mean Girls and Wedding Crashers, 40. Again, another amazing one. Here's another one of the handballers, 72, Eugene Levy. Does he play handball? No, but he's in that age. Oh, okay. That right. <laughs> he's in the core group. Jamie Foxx, 51. Yeah, it blew me away when I first saw that, but it makes sense. You a fan? Yeah, love him. Absolutely one of the most, I would say, talented people on this planet. Yeah. Taylor Swift, 29. That's unbelievable. She seems like she should be older. Bob Barker, 95. I mean, really? Jennifer Connelly, 48. Okay. Good actress. Yeah. Very good. Attractive. Mayim Balik, Blossom, 43. Also, Big Bang Theory. Yeah. You yes. watch that show? No. I can't get into it. No. Feels like it should be right up my alley, but it just doesn't work for me. But it's successful. Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody on the show is worth over $100 million. Haley Steinfeld, 22. I think she's a rising star. Yeah. No, she's amazing. She was in, what is it, just 17 or something about just over 17 or something about seven. I don't well, know. Well, she was also in True Grit, which was the remake of, uh, or right? Was it True Grit? Yeah. I didn't The, the remake it. of the old John Wayne classic okay. when she was probably about 14, 13 years old. Amazing. Judd Apatow. 51. Judd Apatow is kind of the quarterback of a lot of the most famous comedies of the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, he's a stud. I mean, I'd say the most quotable movies yeah. in my generation are Judd Apatow. His wife is Leslie Mann. Very, very funny. Yeah, I love her. Did you watch her in Blockers? I, I No, I didn't watch that Pretty movie. funny. No, but I, I she's great. Pretty good. Marissa Tomei, whose best role was in Seinfeld, I think. 54. 
You remember when she loved George? My cousin Vinny also, I believe. Excellent. Fred Armisen. Yep. I don't think I said that right. Maybe I did. 52. Portlandia. Saturday Night Live. Funny guy. Jay-Z, 49. Hard to believe. Daryl Hannah, 58. Tyra Banks, also 45 today. Right. And Ozzy Osbourne, 70. Another rocker that's over 70 that, well, I guess Ozzy seems like he should be over 70. Brendan Fraser from School Ties. Very miscast in that movie. 50 years old. Julianne Moore, who played, was it Clarice in the Hannibal Part 2? Hmm. Instead of Jodie Foster, it was Julianne Moore. She's for uh, 58. Hard to believe that one, too. Right. I think that's it, or is there more? Steve Buscemi. Oh, yeah, he's 61. good. That Adam Sandler's buddy? I mean, he's in the film a lot, in some of the uh, Sandler stuff. Yeah. yeah. He was in Fargo. Okay. Kind of a goofy looking guy. Kind of like you, sort of. Oh. Looks like you, but Ooh. you have better eyes. Ooh. Adam Sandler hangs out in Tucson, by the way. Does he? And his sister lives here. Mm. He was down at La Cantata Mall just across the street a couple months ago, signing autographs, hanging out. Not his birthday, though. Not his birthday? No. I think you that was your segue in from... <laughs> You just wanted to say it so bad. I did. You you brought Bushimi in just yeah. for that. Yes. Okay. Well, that wraps up the celebs. It does. Is there more? Nope. That's a lot of that's a lot of celebrities celebrating birthdays in mm-hmm. December. And the biggest one, Jesus. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It's the biggest right. celeb celebrating yes. one here. Twenty yeah. fifth. Oh, Jesus. Dave, does that wrap up the show? Do we have more? Anything that's it. else? You know, Portland is coming up. It's going to be the Race for Eight stop number three on the tour. That's going to be at the Multnomah Athletic Club. Starts on the 26th for the United States Handball Association as the National Juniors will take place. Kicking off late in the afternoon with Big Ball on the 26th. It's going to cruise through until the 30th where they're going to try to show some of the the finals in the afternoons. And hopefully we'll get some of those on the live broadcast because we're going to be on ESPN3 when we kick off our event on Saturday the 29th, we're actually going to be on the court on the 28th with right. a huge round of 32 and 16. So both 64. of those... 64. 64, 32, and 16 right. all on the same day. Yes. I think the guys at the U.S. Open, Simple Green, looked at that and said, say, what? Remember, they used to start like, you know, maybe even Wednesday, they'd think about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely would start on Thursday for those rounds. We're doing it all in one day. That's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, for us to watch and for them to play. So that will be on the 29th, 30th. uh, Excuse me, 29th will be the first day of the live broadcast. That's going to be for the quarterfinals in Portland on ESPN3. And then then we'll have the finals there on Sunday, which is the 30th. You can watch on ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app. And your hidden special exclusive handball link on patreon.com backslash WPH live. If you want to watch those matches on demand and live i mean we might not stream right through the site we might just give you a link but we might stream too hmm. depends on what's convenient it's gonna be fun anything else you want to add i can't wait for portland it's just gonna be a, a big event really on the tour i mean you're gonna see you know i would say definitely a standalone number one after Portland's over, potentially a dominant number one after Portland. I mean, imagine Sean Lenning wins this one as well. He'll have won two in a row. He'll be the undisputed number one. Killian Carroll could say the same. He'll get back on track if he wins this. Daniel Cordova, two of the last four finals he's been in. He hasn't won one yet, but you have to think 
It's only a matter of time for him. Right. Luis Cordova looking for his second win of the season, would be second race freight win of his career. And of course, you've got uh, all these other guys that we're talking about. Vic Perez, whose name doesn't really seem to come up, but Vic Perez, a very dangerous player, defeated Daniel Cordova at that exhibition of champions and then lost to him a couple weeks later in Milwaukee. Mondo Ortiz looked good for one game against Sean Lenning in Tucson. But he said his camp says he's been working out like a maniac right now. So uh, I heard that from one of his boys. And then he told me, you won't believe what type of shape I'm in because I'm coming after Portland. I actually, as soon as he said that, I remembered back every time he's made those claims, he's done well. Mm. He's been like either a finalist or somebody who's, you know, I guess won the event. And do we know who he runs into in the quarterfinals? Should he make it that far? I had it up here. Let me just take a quick look. I think it could be Luis Cordova. Because he's the five seed, so he's going to be in that upper bracket, right? So that would be Luis Cordova. Yes. He would play him in the quarters. Very interesting. Yeah, that would be a Luis Cordova clash in the quarterfinals. And I'll tell you, Luis Cordova, even before he became this top three guy, Gave Mondo fits even when Mondo was at the top of his game. You remember San Francisco 2015, Luis Cordova at that time, a qualifier, had match point against Mondo in that match. Also had match point against Mondo in Salt Lake City 2015 and lost that match too. But he's also has wins against them. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I'm looking at that bracket in Portland. I see Tyler Hamels facing Eric Torres in the first round. What a great matchup that is. That's a round of 32. Holy smokes. That could go either way, right? That's a great match to watch. I can't wait for this. It's going to be so much fun. Dave, we're going to have to wrap up the show. Episode number 18 is in the books. Thought I'd play a little Eastern Indian music to close it out. Not sure why, but I'm doing it anyway. You like it, don't you? I love it. Is that a sintar right here? Nice. I think this is the best part of the program, actually. (laughs) Can the whole program be this? won't have to wait another year to do our next podcast. No, it's, we're going to have another one, maybe live in Portland. Oh. I know you can't wait for that. I can't. David Dave, Handball Sports Radio Cast, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, now Patreon, wrapping up episode number 18. Thanks for having us. It's always nice being had. Saying goodbye for you, Dave, so goodbye. Good morning, boys and girls. They liked us so much, iTunes picked them up. What is it with these ding-dongs? I know, crazy, right? It's the Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast on WPH Live TV.